Welcome to the Superhero of Love podcast. I am Bridget Fonger. I wrote a book called Superhero of Love, Heal Your Broken Heart and Then Go Save the World. That book is going to be out in January 2019, but I didn't want to wait until that time to start talking to superheroes of love. And guess what? Here's the news. You are a superhero of love. And through talking to other superheroes like yourself, tapping into that little superhero inside of you, I'm hoping that you and I and all of us start feeling more and more like superheroes of love, meaning that we love and are loved more than ever before. So welcome. Let's get this party started. Hey, 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 superheroes. I am about to step into preparations for Love Forward Talks for 2019. A little bit more full throttle. So I thought I'd share a talk from the 2018 version of Love Forward Talks, which was its first year. This will be the second year in 2019. And I felt compelled to share this talk by Carol Woodliff. Carol is a beautiful soul who's been featured on this podcast previously, very early on in the history of this podcast. She's a shaman. She's an author. She has a few books out, actually. You can find her at carolwoodliff.com. So I hope you enjoy this. And if you know somebody that might want to give a Love Forward Talk themselves, by the way, you can find Carol's Love Forward Talk as well as several others on YouTube on the Superhero of Love channel. So go over there and like the channel too, subscribe to the channel, check out the other Love Forward Talks. They were all amazing and the 2019 talks will be amazing too. If you know somebody that you think would like to give a talk, please have them reach out to me. And uh, if you or someone you know would like to help help us with Love Forward Talks, that's great too. And if you like this podcast, please go over and subscribe to it, rate it, review it. It helps spread the word about this podcast, which brings more superheroes of love into the fold, which is only a good thing, right? So thank you, thank you, thank you, and have a wonderful day, superhero, and enjoy this talk by Carol Woodluff. Seems to be a family theme today, which is because it's also close to our heart. And I got to say, life with my mother, Lucille, was complicated. I knew she loved me, but her love wasn't that warm, fuzzy, soft place to fall love. It was that kind of harsh, demanding, perfectionistic type of love. I'd bring home all A's on my report card, and Lucille was the first one to go, Carol, what's this A minus here? How are you going to make that a full A next time? And then when I was in my Mid to late 20s, I decided, no more fooling around. I'm going to go after my dream of becoming an actor. And Lucille would say to me, how's that little acting thing you're doing going? It seems rather odd that all your scenes end up cut. Perhaps you should go back to that nice paralegal job you used to have. Whew. To understand my mom, you'd have to understand the era she grew up in. Like Ted, I'm a child of the 60s and 70s. My mom was born in 1922. She grew up through the Depression. She graduated high school in 1940. 
She lost her first boyfriend to World War II. And she was a career woman from when she was 18 until she was 30 when she married my dad, at which point I think her family had already given up on her being a wife and mother and had resigned her to being an old maid. She had my sister about the requisite 10 months after their wedding. And then, surprise, surprise, eight years later, here came Carol. (laughs) She was that solid person in that Midwestern neighborhood. She was the church lady that made sure the Catholic church was ready for mass every Sunday. She was the one that made sure all the casseroles got to the funeral in time. And she had a laugh that could have you rolling in tears on the floor with her. But I don't think that 1950s, 1960s, Ozzie and Harriet housewife stuff agreed with her that much. I think there were standards there that she bought wholeheartedly and she was going to be a perfect wife and mother until she wasn't. (laughs) I was seven or eight years old and I wiped out on my bike. I scraped my chin so bad blood was pouring down onto my yellow and white striped shirt, my hands and knees scraped. I ran into the house crying, and Mom took one look at me and said, Get in here! What will the neighbors think with you running around like that out there outside? And as she wiped my scrapes, my hands and knees, and cleaned me up, and I winced from the back teen um, antiseptic that she was using, she told me to toughen up, that it wasn't that bad, and there was nothing to cry over. My dad used to tell me, Carol, your mother can be difficult at times, but she loves you, and she's a really good woman. Dad was my buffer, and he died when I was 26. And the night of the funeral, my mom looked at me and said, your dad loved you so much. He was so proud of you. And part of me knew that went for her too, but she could never say it. Mom showed her love through her seamstress skills, staying up late all night to make sure I had the perfect prom dress or the perfect suit for an interview. And it really was perfect. She sewed so well, no one knew my clothes were homemade. But still, it was tough. I wanted a different mother. I wanted someone who gave me that warm fuzzy. So I went to therapy, and I said, you know, this isn't fair. You know, why couldn't she love me the way I want to be loved? Why do I have to be perfect? And why do people keep telling me that I'm just like her? Because I embodied that perfectionist that she, what's the A minus? You can do better. What are you going to do the next time? And then I started realizing what life was like for little Lucille. There was a family story that was often repeated that I didn't quite understand. It was code. Grandpa was never the same after the accident. Sort of a car accident thing that happened, and my grandfather had a head injury and was never the same after. That's all I knew, and whenever you asked more about it, mm, 
no one said, people didn't talk about it. Till when I was in my early 30s, my uncle wrote a book about our family tree and he grabbed newspaper clippings about the family and transcribed them and put them in this book. And I found this clipping about the accident. The accident was my grandfather, his brother and cousin, going to get moonshine after church one Sunday and rolling the Model A in 1922, the year my mom was born. My mom never knew her father before the accident. And I'd press her, Mom, what was this thing, this moonshine accident thing that happened? And Lucille would get kind of discombobulated, and finally one day she blurted out, well, Daddy drank a little. And I started thinking of my grandmother, who had six children in the midst of the Depression and 40s, and how hard it was for my grandmother to keep the family together with a husband who really wasn't working and supporting the family that much. He tried. I know he tried, but I know my grandmother was the glue. She was the strong woman who took in laundry from a creamery to make sure that her kids were fed and clothed. And I realized that my mother, as the only girl child, she had five brothers, probably had to step up into this role of providing and taking care and cleaning the house and making sure everything was okay. So there wasn't much unconditional love for my mom at that time. So I decided that I would try to give her that unconditional love that she couldn't give to me because maybe she didn't even know it existed. Now, for those of you who grew up in households where love was spoken freely, this is going to sound like a no-brainer, but it really wasn't that easy. So I'm in California. She's back in Illinois, and we talk quite regularly on the phone, and I go back to visit a couple times a year. And my goal is just to say, I love you, Mom, every phone call, every time I see her. The first phone call went something like this. Remember that jump rope thing that you used to do? (laughs) Trying to figure out when you're going to make your statement? That was me. And the call was clicking down, and I say, I love you, Mom. And she goes, eh. I said, I love you, Mom. I got a grunt. Then finally, I said, I love you, Mom. And she goes, I know. And I went, okay. I said, no expectations. Nothing. No expectations. I'm not going to have any expectations. I kept it up. And finally, one day, I said, I love you, Mom. And she said, you too. Several months later, Mom is now living in an assisted living home. She had Parkinson's disease and had had a stroke. And some days she couldn't get out of a wheelchair. I'd been visiting for four or five days, and she was really having a struggle. And she couldn't get out of the wheelchair. But the day I go to leave, she looks at me as I'm saying my goodbye, saying i got to return the rental car and go to the airport. She goes, I'll walk you out. 
And she gets up with her walker, and I said, Mom, are you sure it's a really long hallway? No, I'm going to walk you out. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to argue with Lucille. We're going to walk it out. So my mom is over the wheelchair, over the walker, click, click. We get further down the hallway, click. She looks up at me and she says, thank you for coming. And I said, I'm glad to come, Mom. And we click a little bit further down the hallway. We get about maybe half, three quarters away down the hallway. And she stops and she goes, this is as far as I can go. And I'm like, do you need me to walk you back? She goes, no, this is as far as I can go and make it back to my room by myself. And I'm like, okay. So I lean in to give her a hug. And she whispers in my ear, I love you, Carol. I'm so glad I'm your mom. In studying shamanism, I learned that there's this theory, this belief, that if one person heals their heart, they can heal seven generations backward and seven generations forward in time, and maybe even more than that. At one of those workshops, I stepped into my grandfather's shoes. Grandpa George, I never met you. You died before mom and dad were born. And I could feel the anguish, the shame, the pain, the powerlessness of the time that he lived in. And all I could do was send love back to him. I'm at my mom's bedside. She's almost 89 years old. She's laboring to leave her body. But I'm able to whisper to her, I love you, Mom. You did good. Being human is really hard, isn't it? Go dance with Dad. He's waiting for you. Go be an angel. She labored for another couple hours and then slipped away while my sister and I were talking over her bedside. Being human is really hard, isn't it? We have these moments that we screw up. And what we want more than anything is for someone to look at us and see us and say that we're okay, right? Yep. So I'm going to ask you to just do something with me right now. Can you just imagine that we can breathe love out back through the folds of time to someone in your family or someone who just needs to be seen. And we're just going to take a few nice deep breaths and breathe out that love and compassion. And you can do it for yourself, too. To that time when you could have, would have, should have done something different. And maybe, just maybe, 
by being able to open up that doorway to compassion for the past, we open our hearts big enough so that we can love forward even more.